You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1095 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday morning. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast today. Please make this podcast, the Locked On Hawks podcast, your first listen each and every day. And we are available for free on all platforms across the podcast world, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's show will break down the final Exhibition game for the Atlanta Hawks, a 127-92 win over the Miami Heat on Thursday evening at State Farm Arena. Plenty to get to from this one, and uh, the good thing is the preseason is now over. We have a week of waiting before the actual bright lights come on and the Hawks host the Mavericks a week from tonight on Thursday on national TV. Uh, Luka versus Trey, all that fun stuff, and uh, the games will actually begin to count sooner rather than later. But still a pretty good and interesting dress rehearsal to look at here for the Hawks, and it obviously became a very comfortable win. One caveat, I'm actually on the road, so I'm recording in a not-ideal location. Hopefully the sound is at least decent enough for your listening pleasure, but my apologies for that. And now we'll dive into everything that transpired on Thursday. Pre-game-wise, the attention was really on the injury report on all sides um, for the Hawks. Uh, on, on the positive side, immediately, Trey Young, DeLon Wright, and Gorgie Jang were off the injury report entirely before this game. They all ended up playing in this contest. Uh, Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter were listed as probable. They both played as well. Hunter said after the game that he's not quite 100% just yet with the knee injury, but he's getting close. He looked good to me in this spot. He did mention that the, that the knee swelled up a little bit after the Cavs game earlier on in the preseason, but nothing like last year is what he described that, and he's not really concerned about that at this point in time. Again, it looks very good athletically in this game to me. Clint Capella was listed as questionable after missing the entire preseason to this point, but he ended up playing, and uh, good to see Clint uh, looking like Clint for the most part. Um, playing, starting, he was actually held back. McMillan revealed after the game that he was restricted to 12 to 15 minutes, actually played most of the first half, and then that was it for Clint. But still, uh, he looked good. He praised uh, his conditioning staff um, and strength staff, and I said he actually felt good as well, was in shape, playing, running, sprinting, all that fun stuff, and lots of positives on the injury front for Capella. The only guy who was not... um, scheduled to play before the game was Danilo Gallinari, who was, who was actually out with what the Hawks were describing as left shoulder soreness. No extra word on that at this point in time, so maybe just precautionary, and he's obviously a pretty established player, so I'm not too concerned right now, but we'll get into that if we need to this week. And then Akongu was still out. There was one late scratch. Lou Williams was actually removed from the game before, before tip-off with left hip soreness. Same thing as Gallo. I'm not sure what to make of that at this moment in time because those two guys are older. They're veterans. They're in their 30s. No reason to really push them if there's anything going on whatsoever. But that was the status of the roster. And really, as we'll get into in a moment, McMillan and his staff treated this game like it was a regular season game for about three quarters, maybe close to three and a half quarters of this contest. The one hiccup in looking at this more like a regular season setting was that Miami kind of punted this game. In fact, they more than kind of, they actually punted this game. The Hawks actually entered this game as double-digit favorites, according to our friends at Battleline.ag, because Miami sat all of their guys almost. Uh, Jimmy Butler did not play, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, P.J. Tucker, Markeith Morris, even old friend Dwayne Dedman, all of those guys did not play. The only rotation projected guys that actually played for Miami were Gabe Vincent, their backup guard, and Max Struess, their uh, sweet shooting backup wing. But basically their top 
you know, seven, eight guys did not play in this contest, which is their right, obviously. But um, that's the one sort of unfortunate thing about this is sort of a measuring stick game is that you could see what the Hawks were doing. You could see uh, what, they were talk- what they were doing in terms of rotations and all that stuff, but they were not really playing an NBA quality team. In fact, it was basically a G League team that they were playing against in this spot. I will say, though, McMillan did credit his team, as we'll get into here, for taking it seriously, not playing down the competition. They kind of dominated this game from the opening jump, which is not, you know, not a shock given the margin of talent differential. But at the same time, the Hawks did play well, and they played like they were uh, trying to get things done in this spot, which was good to see on all sides. Before we dive into the uh, play-by-play of sorts and how this game transpired and my observations from throughout the night, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and I Perspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended, and it works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code locked on at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. All right, we'll dive in here to what transpired in the first half of this contest. And generally, the Hawks were, as I said before, the break pretty good out of the gate. They did start a little bit slowly from the floor. They missed actually three of the first four shots, but there were some trademark State Farm Arena slash Phillips Arena clock issues early in the game. There was a pretty long delay after about two minutes of play, and then they actually played without a shot clock or a game clock for a while. Uh, it was kind of one of those moments where it felt kind of silly, but they were uh, not functioning properly with the clock for a while in the first quarter. Um, but besides that, Trey gets, got to his floater nicely early on. He actually a couple of awkward sort of off-balance shots trying to get fouls. He actually made both of those that I remember in this game. A couple of early jump shots from Hunter that looked good. They looked in rhythm and crisp. He, looked, he actually was at, uh, sort of springy and athletic with his steal and transition. Looked like himself for the most part. Capella was active on the glass. He had five rebounds in about five minutes to open the game. They led 17-10 um, when the clock came back. That was good to see. Um, rotationally, they went to Kevin Herter for Clint Capella as the first sub by himself in this game. And they went small for a little bit as a result of that. So basically sliding everybody up the spectrum, going with Collins at center, Hunter at the four, um, with the wings of Bogey and Bogey and Herter at the outset um, of that first sub. They pushed the lead up to actually 15, and it kind of never went below double digits from that point forward. Collins hit a three, Trey hit another jump, jump, jump shot, wanted a foul call, didn't get it. But they played a little bit faster with that group, as they should with Collins at center, especially because they're very athletic when they play that way, they play small. I thought Collins was very good in that stint on both ends of the floor, pretty athletic and pretty energetic as he often is, but looked, sort of popped off the screen to me. Um, the second substitution was Reddish coming in for Bogdanovich. No surprise there. That's basically their top seven available players without Gallinari in this game. So I uh, want to get those guys as much playing time as possible at the outset. They actually had a nice lob play um, overall for Collins that he very much enjoyed and celebrated. And then Hunter got a duck on the next trip. Um, Trey Young's passing was just magnificent 
in this game, really throughout, setting up Trey, setting up Hunter, setting up shooters on the perimeter, just playing out of his mind for the most part. I thought Cam played well in this game, as we'll talk about later on as well, but a good job by him in the first quarter getting a uh, sort of a hard run out while he was sprinting down the floor, um, filling a lane adequately and well done by him to get out and transition using his speed, and then Trey hits him in stride with a nice pass and on a hit ahead for a nice layup. Um, the other rotation stuff was that they brought in Gorgie Jang and Solomon Hill in the final minutes, but only seven guys played before that. Um, that was pretty notable to me. They basically they played seven guys for about 11 minutes in the first quarter, but they led by 18 at the end of the first. They shot incredibly well. Two turnovers. Uh, Hunter had 13 points in the first quarter. Trey had eight and six, and that was that for now. Um, second quarter-wise, the Hawks went to their full second unit, and basically – McMillan talked about this before the game and also dating back even a week or so. Um, they wanted to kind of play their units together, and he was encouraged to see that guys were available. Like, he wanted to play DeLon Wright with Cam Reddish and with Kevin Herter, um, and that ended up happening in this game. Obviously, they didn't have Gallo, which probably threw a wrench in things. I'm someone, you know, I noticed that even probably more than most people would have because Gallinari often operates as kind of their primary option offensively on the second unit. Not that he's handling the ball, but um, if things break down, he's the one that has the ball in his hands trying to get shots up, and he's their best scorer in some ways um, on that second unit. So a little bit of a, of a loss there to not have him in this game in terms of just getting some operations going. But other than that, they were playing with some pretty coherent rotations and units in this game. Um, the one sort of hiccup the entire night offensively was the beginning of the second quarter with that second with that second group. They scored four points in about four minutes. It was kind of choppy, and then they settled in. It was much better from there. Um Herter had one of his uh, trademark block shots in the playoffs where he was actually blocking shots at a high level in that playoff run. I'm not really sure how sustainable that is, but it looked good in this game with one of those. A nice drive from Reddish from the corner um, where he's kind of operating a lot in this game. Um, And sort of a nice catch, pump, and go to the rim, finish cleanly, and then... Um, the next two trips, he actually had seven points in about 45 seconds because he had back of the jump shots from there as well. I thought Cam was good. That was his best offensive stretch, which is, you know, in terms of productivity, but I thought he was good defensively in this game, flying around, making the right adjustments, making the right calls, etc. Um, I thought it was definitely the best basketball he's played overall in the exhibition slate this year. Uh, Bogey was the first starter to come back in, but then quickly they brought in the young Hunter and Capella with Cam. That was the five that they used for a little bit, and then they went back to the starters in full for about the last five minutes of the first half. Um, That was a pretty dominant stretch. Capella got a layup right away. Um, Trey got another one for him with a nice feed, about two and a half minutes to go. And uh, Trey had nine assists. They actually got to ten before the end of the first half. Um, hilariously, Trey was great in this game. He missed his first five three-point attempts, and then he made his next four, which is kind of funny. Um, kind of a hot and cold thing there for for Trey on, on the shooting, but even without that, he was playing great. One example that was making the rounds, um, there was a double drag play where the defense just really collapsed. He had, made, he had made two threes in a row, and they really just kind of ran to him. He created a wide-open three for Bogdanovich, which he actually missed. But if you do the percentages on that, you know, Bogey on a catch-and-shoot in the corner by himself is like 50% or probably higher. Um, and obviously on a three, that's huge value. And uh, you know, it was all created by Trey and that, that play design. Um, that's obviously what you want to see. And he had a first-half double-double, which he got in the final possession of the first half. Capella had kind of a funny, like, eight-foot almost jump shot in which he was fouled that he made, which was uh, sort of amusing and nice to see from him with some touch. But they were up 24 at the half. This game was obviously over at that point in time in terms of like the competitive portion of it. But 18 assists in the first half. Trey had 16 and 10 before halftime. Capella had 10 and 10 in the first half, and that's actually all he played because of the limit that he had on his playing time in this spot. No, no issues there that I'm aware of. And Miami shot 34% from the floor, which was uh, probably uh, what you'd expect given their roster. And uh, just as a sidebar, 
Miami was tough to watch in this game. Obviously, the Hawks did play well and played all their guys, so it looked even more lopsided. But if you look at just who was available for Miami in this game, it was pretty exhausting to watch them in some ways. And uh, it kind of took a little bit of the juice out of this game. But still, the Hawks played well and uh, earned their, uh, their breezy victory. We'll come back with more, of course, in the second half and some takeaways from this contest, as we always do on the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone who is not an elite athlete like me. You're just trying to make it through the day with tension-free activities. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun has also been awesome for me, uh, trying to relieve some tension from hovering over the, over the computer all day long and being stiff and all of that. It's been a godsend through that prism, and honestly, you should use it because I use it, and uh, you absolutely should too to be relaxed and help you feel better. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, Yannick Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers in addition to me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Attention, NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. PrizePix has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. PrizePix offers any prop that you can think of. In football, it's yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry, and that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, and we'll go in second half now. Obviously, it was a breezy one in terms of the margin on the scoreboard in this game. Uh, no Capella. They started Gorgie Jang uh, because of the minutes restriction that Capella had. No, no issues there. Um, Trey made two more threes at the outset. Actually, that rose, that rose up to four in a row for him. Uh, Hunter hit a quarter three as well, which is obviously a positive in itself. But Collins, I thought, had a nice pass to him. You know, that's an area that, that's an area that we keep an eye on with Collins all the time is his passing. It was a good look from him. They, again, went to Herder as the first sub, staying small. Uh, it's tough to tell how indicative that is in terms of their overall plans because of Gallinari being out. 
normally that's Gallo um, as the first sub, at least it has been in the preseason and in previous years. But maybe they go small a little bit more. I do like staying smaller without Gallinari available, if that makes any sense. Um, but we'll see what, how, how, how they treat that the rest of the way. But that's uh, I thought it was notable they went to the small ball lineup immediately, kind of twice in a row there. The lead was down under 20 for a little bit. They actually went up to, up to 29 briefly in the third quarter after a three-by herder. Um, they got Trey and a nice catch-and-shoot look in the left corner and a secondary break. It was a good look from him. Obviously, want more of that. And then Hunter hit a buzzer beater of, uh, of his own after Max, three, uh, after Max Struss hit a three at the end of the third quarter. It was Hunter with a nice, calm catch-and-shoot uh, to take um, the lead even higher at the end of the third quarter. Elsewhere in the fourth, um, it was the second unit on the floor, and basically that was the end of the first unit at the end of the third quarter, which is plenty of time. In fact, I probably would have stopped them even before that, at least Trey and Collins for the most part. But good to see all those guys play well. Herter uh, was very good in the second half. He found his jump shot and has sort of had a nice outlet pass to Corgi Jang. They played the third string guys for the last five and a half minutes or so. It was the group of Sharif Cooper, Skylar Mays, um, Timothy the Wabu Cabro, Jalen Johnson, and Johnny Hamilton. Um, Cooper had a great finishing transition, uh, sort of through some contact, which was good to see from him. Uh, TLC had a couple of threes. Not too much to focus on in that final garbage time segment, but um, clearly um, that top 10, you know, if you were someone who thought maybe uh, maybe Jalen Johnson or Sharif might play early in the regular season, I think if everybody's healthy or even healthy-ish, you will not see those guys in the opener next week, given that they didn't play in the preseason game, even without Gallinari and Lou available. That probably tells you a little bit. I'm not going to tell you it's absolutely for, for sure, but if you if I was a betting man on whether, if the game was close on Thursday, whether you would see Jalen or Sharif, I would probably guess no at this point in time, just in case people were wondering about that. But we'll kind of leave it there in terms of the, uh, the ebbs and flows because, uh, like I said, the fourth quarter was largely non-competitive. In this game, uh, we'll go through the player stuff now. Um, you know, highs and lows, of course, but mostly highs in this game. The of the guys who were on the third unit, you know, Johnson had two rebounds, didn't play, didn't do too much there. Sure, had a nice finish. Uh, TLC at two threes, etc. Um, Delon Wright, thirteen minutes, just kind of did his job. Looked fine. He's been limited with the ankle the last few days, but I thought looked the part of what he could do in this spot. Uh, I thought Herder played well. 13 points all in the second half, had four rebounds, two assists, plus 13. Looked like uh, his, he was comfortable, made a couple of uh, sort of hunting his own shot kind of things in the, in the second half, which is good to see. I thought Gorgie Jang looked pretty spry, had three steals and two blocks in 20 minutes, six points, two rebounds. Um, was fine uh, overall. Uh, I thought Cam was actually better than his numbers indicated. You know, it wasn't a great shooting night for him. Again, uh, inefficiency is going to be a question mark for Reddish for a long time until he proves otherwise. But still, I thought he actually played better than the numbers were in this game. 12 points, 2 steals, but 5-14 from the floor and 2 of 8 from 3. I thought he played well defensively. I thought he had some nice flashes offensively and was more, more under control. I can certainly um, endorse him taking shots that are aggressive, just not um, as aggressive as he has at times in this season so far. I thought he was more to control and more uh, selective in a good way in this game. I thought he played well, and it was, there were some encouraging signs there. And then Solomon Hill played 13 minutes, largely uneventful, as he is wont to do. Um, of the starters, uh, Capella played the least, of course, only in the first half. 10 points, though, 10 rebounds. Looked good. Talked about how he felt good. Uh, no concerns there other than the Achilles. You know, there is some concern. In fact, I'll be surprised now if Capella actually has like a 33-minute uh, game on Thursday. Um, they're not going to tell us probably in terms of their uh, of the of the limitations, but given that they open the season in a week from today, um, and he is limited to 15 minutes in this game, I think it'd be surprising if he got to 35 um, as a limit um, by next Thursday. But we'll see what happens there. But other than that, I thought he looked pretty good, and uh, he's of course a very important part of their roster. 
Uh, Bogdanovich played 23 minutes, didn't shoot great 3 of 10 from the floor, but looked, looked fine, 8 points, 4 rebounds, and an assist. Uh, Hunter, I thought, looked very good athletically, 19 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists for him in 29 minutes. 29 minutes is a good thing for him also, was obviously efficient with the shooting. Um, 7-12 from the floor, 4-6 from three. So uh, he looked the part. Collins was good in this game. 13 points, 11 rebounds, two steals, and a block. Looked like John Collins to me uh, in regular season form at this point. And then Trey Young, 27 points and 15 assists. Yes, 15 assists in 30 minutes. He's the first player per ESPN to have 15 assists and 25 or more points in the preseason game since 2016. That was James Harden. So clearly that's not a huge... You know, takeaway, he was playing against the G League team, basically, of Miami, but uh, Trey looked awesome in this spot. Not a huge surprise. Trey's a superstar, but was very good, and no concerns after the contusion that he that kept him out of the game uh, the last couple of games for the Hawks in the preseason. So, again, like, this is a pretty dominant effort. Um, competition certainly will be uh, a lot higher against Dallas in a week, but uh, they were efficient offensively. They played good defense. They communicated well. The guys who looked good um, were, were the guys they need to, that they need to look good in the regular season, so... Lots and lots and lots of positives on probably a shorter podcast than usual, but because it's preseason, because it was a blowout and all that stuff, and Miami didn't really play, didn't really bring their guys in this spot. We'll kind of leave it there for now. As I sort of alluded to a few times, the Hawks play their opener on Thursday, the 21st. So as I'm recording this, it's a week away. If you're listening to this on Friday, it'll be six days away. Um, that's Dallas coming to town to uh, play the national TV game. Obviously a high-profile individual matchup that's going to get most of the attention, I'm sure, nationally. But um, Dallas is pretty good. They're not like an incredible team, but they're pretty good. And, uh, and that's the elementary six for the Hawks. That's so much more so than today. They have some time to rest and prepare. Um, they're going to practice, it seems, over the weekend a couple times. And they'll have a couple days off to sort of, reca- sort of recoup, and then they'll come back um, strong you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then get ready to play on Thursday at home. And they'll have plenty of content on the podcast feed coming in uh, early in the early in the week to uh, prepare for the opener and the season. Um, obviously, we're wrapping up. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We usually do four or five shows per week on this podcast. We are pretty busy. Um, pretty much every game, unless I just cannot record one physically, I will have a podcast within you know 12 hours or so of that of that final, and usually even a lot faster than that. And uh, we'll have plenty of other stuff as well with guests and solo podcasts and mailbags and breakdowns and all that fun stuff on this feed. So I say all that to ask you to subscribe to the show via your, po- your platform of choice. Make it your first listen each and every day. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey app, wherever you'd like to find podcasts, we should be there. If we're not there, let me know that and I will fix that as fast as I possibly can. But also it does me a huge favor if you leave five-star ratings and reviews as well as subscribe, unsubscribe, game the system, tell a friend, all that fun stuff really helps the podcast to grow and sustain and I really, really appreciate all of the support on the show. All right, that'll do it for, for this week, by the way. This is actually the fifth episode in as many days. We have Bill Filippo on the podcast. We have Tower Jones for two podcast episodes. It's been a busy week on the show. Enjoy this Friday podcast, and uh, we'll have a new batch of podcasts beginning uh, Sunday into Monday, probably, and certainly have two, three, maybe even four episodes before the opener on Thursday. So stay tuned, everybody, and we'll see you next time.